0: Welcome to Input Output, folks. My name is Brian. I'm here with Vince. We are part of the Multiversity Podcast Network. Please visit multiversitycom. check out all the podcasts, all, day, all, of me, books, all the writing about funny books, all the stuff you can city. ever want the from a website. the,
1: the website. We we and, and we are here tonight talking to a but first, uh, that we were like, too I'm cross. a boy. So, uh, I just finished with this movie. It's going to be a movie. It's going to be a movie. It's going all
0: about these rivalries. Because what I thought we did was put rapid fire around here. Me listing the rivalries in the book, and you've got to tell me who you prefer in the battles. Oh, that's right. Uh, everybody wins. Nobody loses. That can't be true. <laughs> I can't, be true. no, I, I just not in terms of, I mean it doesn't have to be hate, just, you know, which band do you prefer? Sure.
2: Okay. okay. You ready? Yes. Oasis versus Blur. Oh, Blur. Oh, oh, oh I, I can't stand Oasis. And I take Oasis. Oh, man. Uh, Nirvana versus Pearl Jam. I uh,
0: Pearl Jam, you know me. I, I take Nirvana. <laughs> uh, Prince versus Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, Michael Jackson. I take Prince. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the White Stripes versus the Black Keys. White Stripes. White Stripes every time. Yeah. Taylor Swift versus Kanye West.
2: Oh, Kanye.
0: Kanye. Uh, Beatles and the Stones. Beatles. Beatles. Clapton versus Hendrix. Hendrix. Hendrix as well. Sinead O'Connor versus Miley Cyrus. <laughs> uh, we'll go Sinead. I'll go Miley. Um, Interesting. <laughs> uh, Roger Catholic to the bitter end. <laughs> <laughs> uh roger waters versus the other guys in pink floyd uh sid barrett uh, i'll go roger waters um all right uh axel rose versus vince neal axel rose i axel, guess yeah uh scott Stapp versus fred durst <laughs> What? that's the hardest thing in the world uh,
2: uh marlins will
0: soar marlins will soar uh <laughs> uh kid rock versus tommy lee uh Tommy Lee, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Uh, S- the- smashing pumpkins versus pavement. 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 Um Dr. Dre versus Easy E. Uh Easy E. I'll go Dre. Regulators. Okay. Um You're thinking Warren G, not Easy E. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes, you're right. Uh in that case Dre. <laughs> okay. Uh Madonna versus Cindy Lauper.
2: Madonna
0: Madonna of course uh, Britney Spears versus Christina Aguilera Britney Britney every time Neil Young versus Leonard Skinner
2: <laughs> Neil Young that's, yeah. that's easy
0: Biggie Tupac uh, Biggie East Coast baby Biggie and <laughs> last but not least Toby Keith versus the Dixie Chicks oh the Dixie Chicks of course
2: oh they, that the, hey I that album was good
0: yeah I have no problem with the Dixie Chicks yeah um, the book is actually excellent. I really recommend it. It's not really about what it appears to be about. like okay. Like, it uses those, um, topics to talk about other things. I don't really know how to describe it. Like, essentially, the White Stripes versus the Black Keys chapter is all about, like, male friendship. And how hard it is <laughs> to make friends as, a, as, like, an adult male. Um, and how... The, the thesis of it is that, like, in any other profession, Jack White and, um... Dan Auerbach would be like the best friends. <laughs> I like they're they're both guys from hard scrabble backgrounds who love the blues and play in two-man bands. Like those are like coincidences you don't happen upon that often.
2: But they hate each other. Yeah. So it's... Well, you and I became friends as you... adults. Yeah, but we had the, the 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 lubrication of the internet in between. <laughs> That's Ooh, can you censor that part that
0: you just said? <laughs> no, I actually feel like uh, I, I haven't made like an in-person friend that wasn't like introduced to me because they're dating somebody I know mm-hmm. or because, like, oh, you never met my friend Steve, but this is my friend I've had for a long time. Like, I haven't made a new friend in, like, a decade in person. I hear you. So I, I relate that. to that. You know what else they related to? Boys and Girls in America? Boys and Girls in America. So, um, this is your pick. Yeah. And you're a big Hold Steady fan.
2: Oh, yes. Uh,
0: but for people who maybe aren't as familiar with the work of Craig Finn and Co., can you give us, like, a a nice, succinct description of the Hold Steady sound?
2: Sure. So, um, so, so they're, uh... They, they they fancy themselves as a bar rock band and what what does that mean? Well, you know, they're kind of just straight up rock and roll, big guitars, big big they throw big solos into their song into their songs. Um, you know, I would say, you know, maybe at times they sound sort of Springsteenian or Absolutely. You, you know, I don't know I don't know what another comparison you want to make is. Um but then the twist is that uh, uh, the songs are very lyrical. I mean they're almost more of a lyrical band than anything else because Craig Finn is sort of a poet in his own right um, and he he likes to use uh, you know literary references and locational references. Um, to kind of craft his songs and they're, you know, they they usually tell some sort of a story, you know, whether it's overt or not, there's usually running r- stories running through multiple albums, you know, about the same characters. And, uh, and, and, and the other thing is that he's got a very distinctive voice because he, he doesn't sing so much as he sort of talks sings. Uh, I mean, he gets there sometimes, but, uh, but, you know, just one of the most unique voices, uh, in in modern music, I think, um, as far as how it all comes together. Is that, is, is, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, and the the songs are often about, like, misspent youth or, like, you know, young adulthood, uh, growing older and losing your way, drugs, alcohol, things like that, so.
0: Yeah. Um, Redemption. I, yeah, Redemption is definitely, like, their theme, you know, um... I definitely hear Springsteen more than anybody else. Especially early Springsteen when he was so wordy. Like if, if you think about Born to Run and how many words are like squeezed into the the verses of Born to Run, I feel like that's a pretty good indicator for the type of thing you're getting from the whole study. Yeah. sort of at the forefront of the Springsteen appreciation by the underground which broke right around this time. You had a lot of bands that were claiming Springsteen as an influence for the first time. A lot of indie bands that were claiming Springsteen as an influence for the first time that it wasn't a dirty word to be a Springsteen fan. <laughs> uh, you know,
2: kind That's of interesting. I mean, you'd have the best insight into that cuz you're from New right Jersey, there. Yeah.
0: yeah, but I well, if, he was always like the stadium rocker of choice, right? But he wasn't a hip influence, kind of like how right now you're starting to see more credible musicians claim the Grateful Dead as an yeah. influence. Like ten years ago, you would never imagine the National curating a three-disc <laughs> Grateful Dead set, but now that's they've become a credible influence, and I feel like it's the same thing where if if 1996 Nobody like, on Matador Records would ever claim to own a Springsteen record. And the Hold Steady built their whole career kind of, not ripping off Springsteen, but certainly playing in the same sandbox as Springsteen played in.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's really interesting. Um, and this is your favorite uh, This is your favorite Hold Steady record, you think? It is, yeah. yeah. Why is it your favorite one of all of them? Because they're a band that, to me there's like four or five albums that I could say are all of relative equal quality.
3: Mm, mm
2: -hmm. See, and I'd say their first three stand out to me and then their next two are on a tier. And I'm not a huge fan of their last one teeth dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I think the storytelling power has decreased over time. It's almost like they're, Trying to write songs in a less specific fashion, and I like when they get really specific. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what their first three albums are. You know, um, they're a little harder to parse out the the, the longer you follow them, and um, you know, they still make good tunes. But like, I can't crawl inside those songs as much, I guess. But the reason why this is my favorite one is because it was the first one I ever heard. Okay, it was, it was I, also the
0: first one I ever heard.
2: Okay, and I remember exactly where I was. Oh, I tell, tell the story. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not much of a story, but I just, <laughs> I just remember where I was. Um, and so, let's see. Uh, this would have been in 2006, in the fall, when this album came out. And it was my second year of college on the University of Minnesota campus. Which, um, if you listen to the first song on this album, "Stuck Between Stations," it references the Golden Gophers. You know, it references. It's like talking about places that I've been or you know, places that I am. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I had a rough freshman year, really rough, both like personally and academically. And then I came back for sophomore year and. I thought like, okay, I'm going to get a fresh start. You know, I'm going to do better this year, and I did. And I was going out for a run one evening because I put on the freshman 15, of course. Um, with with the uh, that's 15 pounds of fat for anyone who doesn't know that. Who's <laughs> not
0: familiar with that with the terminology?
2: Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, and so I was going. I was, you know, it was fall evening, beautiful, sun setting. I went out for a run there's a bridge that runs between the East bank and the West bank of the Minnesota university, of Minnesota campus. And I'm flipping through my iPod as I'm like approaching this bridge. And I, I had this album. I hadn't listened to it yet. Uh, so I turned it on. I had no idea what it would sound like, you know? Oh, file and, sharing. <laughs> hey, now, <laughs> Um <laughs> uh, and, the, the opening of Stuck Between Stations just play, there's like drums and then there's like keys you know, like Franz Nicolay's like sprawling keys are playing all over it and it's just this like burst of sound like at the time it was just like like before they ever wrote to stay positive you know, or a song, you know before they ever trumpeted positivity like I just, this song blasted into my headphones and I'm like this is positive like I feel uplifted just hearing the opening of this song you know yeah. and it's not all that uplifting of a song but it's what I needed to hear at the time and then I like listened to the lyrics throughout this whole thing and I'm like I, I can't believe I haven't heard this band because they're great you know like, like I was so immediately taken with this and I just remember crossing that bridge and the sun was setting it was beautiful it was warm and like I felt like I was really gonna take this year by the horns, you know? And it was because in no small part to like the feeling I was getting while also listening to this album. It was a really like evocative moment. I can tell. Yeah. I'm I it's it was a special time and um and and I mean that might color my opinion of this album, but I think it's a great album regardless, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I I love when when an album has that specific tie to your life somehow. Yeah, and that's really important thing in the like in in my music fandom at least is is having that moment to uh, to like latch onto. You know, yeah. uh, I really think that's important. Um, so for me, this is a band that I didn't get at first. I I I got I read a lot of articles about how great they were and how different they were and all of that and to be honest I didn't really hear it they kind of sounded a bit like well like Springsteen to me <laughs> and it wasn't that I disliked that it's just that I didn't understand what the big deal was they sounded like a, a good bar band to me it didn't sound like a uh, a band I, was, I would necessarily call life-changing or call all that revelatory, but it's one of those things that like, yeah, I feel like there was this period of time between like 2002 and 2008 maybe, and maybe this is more about me than about the way it really was, but it seemed like there were certain albums then that every credible critic all agreed on. There was, there was like no, there was no deviation from that. I feel like in that time you had to love Sufjan Stevens Michigan. <laughs> you had to love um, this record. And you had to love like uh, oh what's it? Like um, Clap Your Hands Say Yeah. Or something <laughs> like that. There was, just, it was just these bands that were that were just very much associated with, with the time and you had to really it seemed like everybody was behind it. And so everybody kept talking about it, the whole steady. And so the more I, I kind of forced myself to listen to it more just to see what I was missing. And I never had the emotional connection to the album that you're talking about. But it it certainly grew on me, and it grew on me in a way that I feel like... When I hear this album now, it very much reminds me of a time and place in my life, but not... I don't have that story like you have. Mm-hmm. Like, I in the fall of 2006, I had just gotten engaged to my now wife... And I was, I had about a 40-minute commute to work. And so I listened to a lot of music on my commute. And I remember specifically listening to this album while, like, sitting on the bus going to work. And driving through different neighborhoods that seemed to be telling stories that were kind of reflected in the music I was hearing. You know, it wasn't really... There was no real commentary on on what <laughs> I was listening to, but just you know, it, it synced up really well. Sure, um, and there's a feeling. There's a feeling there, yes, and, and there's there's a feeling of every character you encounter in these songs to me sounds like a character that you're just scratching the surface of. Yeah, you know, you can really dig into these characters and learn so much more about them, and I think that's. Uh, an underrated trait in music yeah for sure uh
2: what's a song you want to talk about let's start with one of your picks um well we already kind of talked about stuck between stations so unless you want to talk about that a little more um um i i guess the the, the next song i want to talk about is first night which is the fifth track uh-huh. on this and it's it's a slower tune it's like a ballad at first you know but it's it's talking about all these characters and they're specifically given names. There's Charlemagne and Gideon and Holly. And these are like characters that they're on their other albums too, you know. So like if you want to hear more about them, there's like three albums worth talking about <laughs> Gideon who makes a pipe out of a Pringles can, you know. And uh and it's just so like I so I th- these songs are about like like you know Youth that are, like, messed up on drugs and stuff, you know, and, Mm -hmm. like, just lost, you know. And I don't relate to that specifically. Like, I've never been one to take part in any of that, you know. What I was going to say is I kind of find this an interesting
0: fit for you because I know you you and I have talked about how neither one of us have ever gotten high (laughs) in our lives. (laughs) Right. And, you know, not that you need to get high to appreciate this but i could see how some people would look listen to these songs and hear a bit
2: of themselves in there exactly right and so that's not me at all and and i what i realized is that like it doesn't like you're not you don't have to be you don't have to have those specific types of stories you know mm-hmm. to still find like the redemption or like the um the um crescendo to all of this you know Mm -hmm. like like I I, like I still like I like I said I had a rough you know freshman year college was not easy for me at first um the way that high school was for a variety of reasons that we won't get into (laughs) but um but you know so even though I couldn't specifically identify with these people I could identify with the feeling of like picking yourself up you know
3: uh-huh.
2: and or like feeling lost or whatever or desperate you know and so like this song is is like this slow kind of sad or melancholy ballad and then at the end like it the instruments drop out for a little bit and then there's like a chorus of of uh people singing boys and girls in america And then it comes back in and it just, like, kicks in with, like, guitar. And, like, the the lyrics are completely different. It's, like, a completely different song, you know? Boys
4: Boys and girls in America.
3: Boys and girls in America. Boys and girls in America.
1: Guys with your heart soft eyes Give you a little heart and a on Don't even speak to all those sequencers Beans boys When well, they kiss they spit wife
2: just love that like that immediately grabs you and and it sounds like an important song you know and it's awesome live when they do it you know and and uh uh so that's a song that i really love even though i don't specifically identify with it like i can feel what the characters in this song are feeling you know yeah yeah uh my
0: favorite or not
2: my favorite i guess the place i want to start
0: is chips ahoy Mm -hmm. um Again, like such an evocative image of the uh of the the characters in the song going to the track and <laughs> and placing a bet and and specifically being um being stoned again as part of the song <laughs>
3: um
0: but it so I have a weird relationship with story
2: songs do you typically like a story song? well, I don't like them to be like too overt like if you're talking about like the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald you know (laughs) like i'm not i'm not about that so much
4: the legend lives on from the chippewa on down of the big lake they call gitchagoo the lake it is said never gives up for dead when the skies of november turn gloomy with a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales
2: of November Okay, but when they're, you know, I mean, this is a story to be sure, Mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's not, it's not. Written in in an epic or grand fashion, you know. Right. I guess I don't like a I don't like a story song when it's so grand that it's like calling attention to the fact that it's a story. Okay.
0: You know? Okay. See, I, again, I have a weird relationship with story songs. In one way, I think that some of my favorite songs do tell a story, but like you said, they're not necessarily. Um, they're not necessarily uh, like. It's not a neon flashing sign That says, like, this is a story, you know uh, One of my favorite story songs is by Frank Black and the Catholics and It's called St. Francis Dam Disaster uh-huh. And it, it's about, there There was this dam in California That broke and flooded this whole area And in the song, the water becomes, like, the main character And I just think it's such an interesting way to tell the story
3: was She was going far away.
4: Towns will too. A few God lucky in Cairo. Because that water
3: seeks her own. But for more hours she would flow. She had
4: twenty-nine.
0: I love a story something like that. But like you said, you know, directly Edmund Fitzgerald or like Piano Man by Billy Joel, like <laughs> I don't like it when it's so so grandiose. grandiose and just like the best part to me about reading a story is injecting your own added details to it. Mm-hmm. You know, When you're reading a book and you you read the description of somebody, they don't detail every single part of their face. You have to add your bit to it. And I don't like when a song doesn't let me add my bits to it. I guess yeah. if, if that makes sense uh, a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, Chips Ahoy, uh, I, I think it maybe has the most catchy chorus on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it. It's a great track too because it sort of takes everything that... Stuck between stations uh, has and amps it up a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, I really like it as as a, as a track too, for sure. Of course I
1: thought <laughs> that she hit awesome Until his horse
0: is, gonna finish is there a uh is there another song you want to talk about sure um
2: move on? i i definitely want to talk about chill out tent which uh, is the 10th track on the on the album uh second to last second to last track on the the official version of the album
0: my least favorite song on the album
2: that's your least favorite yeah oh my god hands I, down really yeah that's really interesting
0: I really, um, really don't like what's her name's vocals on it.
2: Oh man, yeah. What is her name? Um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Elmore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I I just think it, it really it it stands out in a in a negative way. See, what I okay, that's interesting because what I think they're doing is, I don't know whether this is intentional or not, but it's what I it's what I hear mm-hmm. when I hear it, is that like both she and Dave Perner from, uh, Solzheim. Solzheim. Yeah. yeah. Um, are, are essentially doing, uh, Greece, you know, they're essentially doing,
0: um, Oh, interesting.
2: Uh, what the hell is the name of that song? Summer Lovin'? <laughs> Summer lovin'?
4: Yeah, Summer Lovin'. Mm-hmm. Summer Lovin' Had me a blast.
3: Summer Lovin' happened
4: so fast. I met a girl Crazy for me.
2: No, they're essentially doing summer 11 because like and and if i listen like they're both like i feel like they're both kind of playing it up you know like 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 i don't really think that that's really dave perner's normal singing voice either you know because like there's one part where he says she was pretty cool and it's like the way that he sings it it sounds totally like john travolta trying <laughs> to like you know like the way that he would say pretty cool yeah
0: sounds like
3: <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Jesus.
0: We are deep down the Simpsons wormhole tonight.
3: <laughs> oh, man. That's okay. an itchy
2: and scratchy land joint for you
0: folks yep. out there. <laughs>
2: yep. We're gonna need a little editor's box to explain <laughs> exactly. This, yeah. This thing. <laughs> um. But anyway, I, I love it because of that, because it's like it's like summer love and gone completely wrong, you know.
0: have to listen to it again like in that context now
2: oh it's such a fun song when you when you think about it that way like like it's i mean it's really it's like it's two people meeting in the chill out tent at some festival where they you know did too many drugs and like went out of their minds you know they they found they found him shaking at the side of the stage you know right and uh and then, yeah, then, you know, the girl gets a singing part and then the guy gets a singing part and it's totally, I mean, it is Summer Lovin', but it's like two, uh, wasters, you know?
0: <laughs> like, and, and see, to me, it just, it's interesting. uh, we've talked a lot in the past, especially the past couple of records, we've talked about new records, about these sort of collaborative nature of pop music in 2016. And I feel like on an album like this, when the other voices come in, I just want it to go back to Craig Finn. Uh, Ah, uh-huh. Like, uh I I don't think that they necessarily add anything to the song. Again, I understand why they're there, and I like the way you've described it to me, and I can't wait to go back and and listen to it Uh for that way. But to me, I would rather that... I would rather there be a different song there that was just a... uh, just a Craig Finn sung song.
2: I I hear you. I I get that. I do. Um, I I do think it's an odd fit for this album. I think it's an odd fit for the whole study in general. You know, usually it's. I mean, Craig is such a distinct voice. You know. Yeah. But um,
0: in some ways, it actually love... reminds me of um. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that's uh, right. Craig Finn sings a song on the second album by the Baseball Project. Yeah. About yeah. the Minnesota Twins. And that song completely doesn't fit in on the album, <laughs> and it's not a bad song. I mean, it, it's it's not a great song, but it's not a bad song. But you know, it just it totally sticks out with the sore thumb of that album, and that's kind of
1: how I feel yet, about this song but I'm too. But Cat Grant won 20 games and they didn't play in a dome yet The Dodgers came to Bloomington to play for the World Series The Twins took the first two, you can even ask Bill Scully But Sandy Kovacs proved to be a bit too much to crack. And the Twins went down at seven but they vowed that they'd be back From Nicholas to Hennepin, from St. Paul to St. Cloud The Minnesota Twins are making Minnesota proud and we don't buy outside so summer summers where we stay. Easy grow now. Easy. These are heroes. Please don't call them Twinkies. Yeah, yeah,
2: I I get that. I just love I just love the I mean it is a gimmick, I will admit that. Like it's totally it's totally a gimmick song, but I think the gimmick is so good. Like I think that's such a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, I mean, when you listen to it in that context, like it totally, it totally wins me over. Okay. Um, So I could, but you know, to to get away from that song for for your sake, uh, I I want to talk about the final song too, "Southtown Girls," Mm -hmm. because that is like that's the that's the most Craig Finneyest song that you will ever hear, probably because it literally lists like two dozen different or more maybe locations around the twin cities, (laughs) which like now that I've lived here for, I guess 11 years, I know so intimately that like, like there's a whole nother layer, you know, when I first heard this album, like, okay, I maybe recognize some of the street names, but I lived on campus. I didn't have a car. You know, how far could I go? Right. Right. And by now, like I literally live down the road from this Vietnamese restaurant that he's talking about <laughs> on Nicolette, you know, and it's it's like like literally I live six blocks from that restaurant and it's it's nuts like to think about that. <laughs> so again, like my personal connection to this album just grows deeper and deeper the longer I live in this Godforsaken city.
1: Take mail back to the south side. Good boy.
0: Again, it's taking something that, well, first of all, uh, you know, not every band sings directly to you, and there are band that sings directly to you,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and I don't, I don't mean you, Vince. I mean right. you know, the, the listener. Yeah. And there is so much specificity in what they sing about, but they sing about it in a way that makes it universal. So I can listen to those songs and get something out of them. But when you listen to them being from that area, it takes it to like a whole other level. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Uh, the other song I wanted to talk about, and now I am not. Where? What happened? Why is my iTunes there? <laughs> I had the album open, and then I went back to it. It's not there. Um, oh, come on. It's the... Uh, I'm going to walk around and drink some more. What's that?
2: Um... Oh. uh, uh, uh... Uh, that, that, is that is that Party Pit or is yeah, that? Think, I'm pretty sure it's Party Pit. Yeah, it's Party Pit. Yeah, yeah,
0: Party Pit, yep. yeah. Um, that was actually the phrase that stuck out to me on my first listen to, of the album.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: that, just that because he repeats the phrase a number of times at the end of the song.
2: Yep. And you've, you've been there, haven't you?
0: I have been there. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Can I walk around and drink some more. Gonna walk around and drink some more Gonna walk around and drink some more Gonna walk around and drink some more
0: It's funny, you know, you 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 had this album during your your sophomore year of college, and I said this was much later for me. But to me, this album—I wish I had this album like four years earlier. In two thousand two, I guess I guess two thousand yeah, I got my fake ID <laughs>
2: when I was when I was seven. Exactly. <laughs> I, drank I drank some, some very, very good, good beer. beer. <laughs> my name was Brian, Brian McGee. McGee. <laughs> Uh, good. Wow. All Simpsons <laughs> all
0: the time. Uh, but, like, I, I, uh, yeah, 2002 I got my fake ID and, it, it must be, yeah, 2002. And, like, so, walking around the south side of Pittsburgh with friends of mine and, um, just feeling genuinely blue about life. Like, not, I, I wasn't depressed, I wouldn't say, but I... Nothing was going exactly how I wanted it to, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's a theme that you can kind of pick up on in a lot of good music, where where things just aren't, things are just out of reach. You know, you, you can see what you want, you just can't grab it. And I feel like Party Pit, in particular, to me sounds like a lot of those nights I spent in Pittsburgh, just looking for looking for something that wasn't there, mm-hmm. and. uh It actually, it it reminds me of a particular person in my life that I'm not going to mention by name. (laughs) Uh, Not that I think he listens, but in case he does, I don't want to offend him. But a guy who I I was trying very hard at that point in my life to relate to, and I felt like I was putting out a lot of effort that wasn't necessarily being reciprocated. And we had a project we were trying to do together, and I felt like he just wouldn't, he wasn't putting as much into it as I would, so we we would get together to to do to work on this project, and the, I, I don't mean a school project; I mean like a creative project. And uh, when when he would inevitably drink too much or be too high, I would like go for a walk down the street to the bar to give myself like time to cool off, kind of. And this song reminds me of like walking back from that bar, mm. very very much, very very specifically. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't know this song at the time, but. It has put you th- that. you think about it now. Yeah, exactly. I think about it now. Uh, I-, I really enjoy this record. And, um, like I said, I-, I think this Separation Sunday, Stay Positive, are probably all about equal for me in terms of my enjoyment. Mm-hmm. But I think this one, being the first one I heard, will always kind of have a leg up on the other ones.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel.
0: Um... Was there, uh, is there one more song you want to talk about, or you feel pretty, pretty satisfied?
2: Um, well, let's talk about, um, Massive Nights. Okay. Um, cause that's like, a, that is like a, that's as close to a raver of a song as they're going to have. Um, it's quite danceable. I've, I've seen him perform it live several times. I think (laughs) something I should mention is that, like, I go, I go to concerts all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen The Hold Steady five times now, <laughs> and uh, so they're the band that I've seen the most, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, it's always a new experience uh, when I see them. And the surprise to me is that this is not one. This is not like one of my favorite songs, okay, of theirs. But it's one of my favorite songs for them to play live. Uh huh because it explodes like it's th- this this is a song about how like you're partying and you're this is like the height of your high or whatever you okay. know like you're you're feeling really good like this is the one song on the album where you're feeling really good <laughs> you know yeah and uh and it reminds me of um it reminds me of when I first started dating my fiance because we one of the very first things we did actually before she even knew that I was going to date her, I had bought tickets for both of us to the Hold Steady because we had talked about the Hold Steady at work, um, and uh, and I bought these tickets, and then we, you know, then I asked her out, and we went on a couple dates, and then the concert came, and uh, and I remember feeling so euphoric at the time because like finally everything was falling into place, you know. Mm-hmm. And it turned... It, happy ending, because we're getting married in three weeks here. Aww. Aww yeah. But this this song, like, it, it blew up. Everybody in the place was happy. I was super happy. She was happy. We were, you know, like, dancing like crazy.
1: Everyone was funny and everyone was pretty And everyone was coming towards the center of the city The dance floor was crowded, the bathrooms were worse We kissed in your car and we drank from your purse I am a mouth on her nose When the chaperone said that we were dancing too close We had some massive nights Every song was right Some guys, they get a bit this
2: song took on new Some meaning for me because of that. So yet again, there's like a personal connection that... I mean, there's personal connections for me all over this thing. So that's my thesis on <laughs> Boys and Girls in America. Is there... Um, if people hadn't heard the whole thing before and wanted
0: to maybe dig deeper, where would you go next? Um...
2: Well, if you want if you want something more accessible, I would say st- the very next album, Stay Positive. Mm-hmm. Um, Why would you say it's more accessible? Uh I think I think there's a there's a lot more, well, I think it's a more positive album, which I think like people could g- get into that more. Like there's more rockers on that album okay. and uh I mean there's a couple there's some downbeat stuff too, but I think there's more uh, rockers on that one. And then if you want to get more into their like lyrical, um, uh, you know, referential, uh, nature, mm-hmm. if you go backwards one and you go to separation Sunday, then that's, that's probably my second favorite album. Um, um, and specifically my favorite hold steady, my favorite single hold steady song of all time is on there, which is banging camp. Okay. So, check out banging app Hold whole steady song that encapsulates, I think, everything that they are.
0: Okay, that's interesting. You what you know what else is interesting?
2: What's interesting?
0: This album was released the exact same day that Sean Lennon's Friendly Fire, an album from last week, was released. Oh, oh my. Or not last week, two episodes ago
2: was released. Two episodes ago. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's some freaky synergy.
0: I know, I know, because I- I'm between a couple of albums from my choice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, let me see what came out the same month as this, and see <laughs> if anything jumped out at me." I'm like, "Oh shit! I already picked an album that came out from this month." That's crazy. Yeah, same same day. Same saying. day. Yeah, same day. Even. My God. Yeah, yeah. This was uh... so it's weird. So all right, I gotta I gotta make a decision here. I gotta. Kind of shit-wronging off the pot, as they say. Um, (laughs) Me too. Yeah, well, that's a whole other story. Whole other story. Um, Okay, all right. So I was going to try and pick an album from the fall of 2001, because that's when I was a sophomore in college. Uh Ah. And uh, not a lot there that I was listening to at the time that I feel strongly enough to go back and revisit. So I I decided to think a little bit about sort of a year or two later the um, the the period of my life when I was you know, drinking more than I ever drank before, <laughs> and uh, when I was my, my friends and I got an, got a house off campus, and, and we're living the three of us uh, on the the like the bottom floor of a two family house with crazy people upstairs from us, <laughs> literal crazy people. Uh, one time I came home from work and, from school rather, and my friend and I were in the living room and we heard this noise that we were both convinced was a bat. Was like, is there a fucking bat in our house? It was like, sound. And we went and we, we like got like a, a broom, to like push out of the house. It's a kitchen where the noise was coming from. And our cabinet, like our cabinet that held our dishes was leaking water. Uh, and we're like, what the fuck? And so we, like, opened the cabinet, and all this water, like, gushed out at us. And it was coming from the ceiling upstairs. And so I we went and, like, knocked on the door of my neighbor. We're like, um, is your sink running? He went, oh, shit, my pork chops! And, like, slammed the door on <laughs> our face. And he was defrosting his pork chops, but for, like, three hours, forgot he was doing it. Oh, my God. So he flooded his entire house. Like, uh, he opened the kitchen door, he said, and, like, water just, like, gushed out. So he flooded his whole house, defrosting his pork chops. That was the house I lived in. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was it was a time, but uh. Oh, see, there is no, the album that really I identify with with then, is an album that I know you know and like. Oh oh, and I don't know if that means it'll make for a good conversation, or both of us just be like, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and that album is 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 greetings from Michigan, the Great Lakes state, ah, by, by Sufjan Stevens. Let's which, do it. Which, okay, we can do that. Which, that. That came out the second semester of my senior year, and uh, that was like the the epitome of me thinking my taste in music was better than everybody else's.
2: Well, it is. So,
0: <laughs> well, thank you, friend. Uh,
2: except for, um, except for the Clash, I don't. And Prince, don't understand that <laughs> well. <laughs> He he just died, so I won't okay. say anything about yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, okay. So yeah, we'll do Sufjan
0: Stevens Greetings from Michigan, the Great Lakes State. Yes. Um, I I feel like we might need to have your fiance on as a counterpoint to this because she's a oh. big Sufjan fan, right? Oh boy, yeah. I'll ask her. <laughs> yeah, maybe she can just share with us a memory or two of Michigan. <laughs> um. But yeah. yeah.
2: So that'll be our album for next week. She'll start talking about his dreamy eyes or his eccentric gap tooth. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you seen Sufjan live now? Uh, we've seen him twice and we'll see him a third time for our honeymoon. Okay. He, yeah, he butted his way into my honeymoon. Can you believe that? (laughs) I can't believe it. I, I've seen him one,
0: two, three, three or four times now, but I haven't, I haven't seen him since the Illinois tour.
3: Hmm.
2: It's very interesting what he's doing these days. Yeah, I know I know it's quite different. So I, I kinda wanna check it out, but Yeah. I uh he uh this is just a little anecdote. Um they were streaming I guess we've seen him three times if you count our watching the live stream of Coachella okay, or count. or what no, yeah. I know. <laughs> but uh he did just like a seven song set or six or seven songs, but his last song was um Impossible Soul from okay. Age of Odd's mm-hmm. which I don't know if you remember but that's a 20 yeah. odd min- minute song. Yeah. And he plays the whole 20 some minutes of it like it's not a truncated ver- you know uh-huh. he plays the entire thing. And it's insane. And so it's like one song for I mean it sounds different throughout its different parts but but it's it's such a trip to see him do that but at the same time you're like well he only played seven songs you know but you still feel like you got your money's worth right so we're going to see him at panorama fest in new york city in july and i kind of i almost hope he does that song again cuz i'd like to be there to see it but then at the same time i think well that kills like half his set <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly but but yeah if you haven't seen him since illinois it's uh, it's crazy. It's way different. And the yeah. first
0: time I saw him, it was just him by himself.
2: That would be incredible. Yeah, yeah that's when you got the picture with him. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. He he walked out on stage and he said, uh, "This one goes out to the one I love," and then he played that REM song, "The One I Love." That's how he yeah. started the, the set. And uh, he had a banjo with like a uh, like a sticker from a michigan auto body shop on it oh, and it, awesome. it was right in the time when because michigan and seven swans came out like only a few months apart from each other and it was right after seven swans came out mm. and he did like um the dress looks nice on you and he did um i want to say he might have done um oh, it's my favorite song on michigan how am i not drawing the name of it Uh, Romulus ah, and uh, yeah it was great the first two times I saw him there were less than 100 people in the room that would be awesome and uh, yeah he's great so that'll be our album for next week so pause the podcast listen to it give yourself a good cry (laughs) and uh, we'll be back in just a second
1: We dry up and now we crumble the dust We get wet and we corrode and now we're covered up in rust We drink and we dry up and now we crumble the dust We get wet and we corrode and now we're covered up in rust She wasn't really cool kisser and she wasn't all that strict of a christian She wasn't all that great of a girlfriend. He likes the warm feeling, but he's tired of all the dehydration. Most nights are crystal clear, but tonight it's like he's stuck between stations.
0: are back with more input-output. We're talking about Sufjan Stevens' Michigan, his uh, breakthrough album, not his debut album, actually his third album, released if you're going by the official chronology, A Sun Came, then Year of the Rabbit, then Michigan. Uh, this was the first Sufjan Stevens record that I heard. Was it for you, Vince?
2: Uh, no, my first one was actually
0: uh, Illinois. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So when did you first hear this album? Then,
2: uh, shortly after that, because of course they they the publicity about the uh, Fifty States project, you know, and whatever was at full bore. So um, obviously, I wanted to go back and check his earlier work, and and I was a huge fan of that album. So you know, I was really excited about checking out everything else. Okay, uh, this was an
0: album I bought sight unseen based on the Pitchfork review ah um everything that it had said about the record was really exciting and i was able to hear a i believe just a clip because we're talking 2004 here this is pre um like emergence of youtube as a major thing this is i did not i was not an itunes subscriber at this point um or user i guess not subscriber. But so I I heard a clip of uh, All Good Naysayers, and I I liked it enough to buy the album. by the album, uh, as Medicaid, oops, is record label, I noticed that Seven Swans was available for pre-order at the same time, and it was coming out like two or three days later, so I ordered them both at the same time, got them both at the same time, but listened to Michigan first. Um, It's a pretty stunning record, I think, no matter how you take it in, but having absolutely no idea what to expect from it, it really, really floored me. <laughs> the first time I heard it, um, for those that are unfamiliar with the music of Stephen Stevens, and if you are, why the fuck are you listen to this podcast? Like, I feel like our demographic has to know who Stephen Stevens is. Um, but if you don't, um, I guess you would kind of describe him as a folk
2: artist, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's the easiest. Uh... Yeah, yeah, you know, plays banjo,
0: plays acoustic guitar. There's lots of keyboard on the album. There's lots of mallet percussion, like uh, marimba and vibraphone and xylophone, etc. Um, has a very delicate, wispy voice, um, which he uses to great effect for great emotional resonance. Um, and Vince alluded to it before, this is the first album of an aborted project That was supposedly never really a project called the 50 (laughs) States Project, where he was going to make an album about each of the 50 states in the United States. Uh, Michigan is his home state. It is where he spent most of his life, and so it made a lot of sense to start there. Um, I have only been in Michigan for about five minutes. Uh, I was at a wedding in Indiana one time. And I was in the bridal party and we had to kill time before going to the reception. So the limo driver drove us to Michigan because <laughs> it was like, you know, right around the corner or whatever. But have you spent significant time in the Great Lake State?
2: Only only through the magic of this album, Brian.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I will be in Michigan later this year. Uh, my, oh. my brother now lives in Michigan. Just bought a home there, actually. So I will be going to visit him this fall. Uh, So maybe I can report back on how Michigan lives up to the hype from the album. Yeah, Um,
2: it's dreadful. From what I hear, yes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Sorry, any Michigan listeners.
0: (laughs) No. um, Yeah, I think Michigan, like any state, has its good places and its bad places. But you hear a lot about the bad places on this album. uh, Let's talk about that for a second. So this is not a necessarily sunny view of Stephen's home state. It's a pretty honest portrayal. Um, you know, the first song was called Flint. And a lot of these songs, by the way, have parenthetical um, titles that continue the kind of, kind of idea. So it's Flint, parentheses, for the unemployed and underpaid. And it's an incredibly sad song. Um, Just about, you know, the hardships of living in a once thriving metropolis.
4: It's the same. Side. Driving to the rim.
2: Kind of like if uh, if if Michael Moore was an unbelievably handsome uh <laughs> delicate folk singer. Yes,
0: almost. Um with uh less of a weight problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it Roger and me is definitely something that comes to mind when I hear Flint. Um but it begins with some some gentle keyboard playing and singing and the album... I'm sorry, the, the song continues to add some trumpet, and uh, that might be it, actually. Maybe, maybe a little bit of guitar. I'm not even sure offhand what else is added to the song. But it's a very spare, very sad way to open the album. Then the second track, All Good Naysayers Speak Up or Forever Hold Your Peace. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> kind of kicks in with a more upbeat... Um, Arrangement, lots of vocal harmonies, lots of um sort of jazzy drumming, some interesting guitar playing, and that kind of sets the tone for the record. The those two songs more or less set the tone for the entire record, except for the lack of banjo on either one, which <laughs> the third track comes in with uh for the Widows in Paradise, for the fatherless and Ipsilanti or Ypsilanti, I believe it's Ypsilanti, but I'm, again, I'm not from Michigan, so I don't know, uh, but so the banjo that comes in that, those three songs really set the tone for the entire album, and by the time I got to the third song, I was completely sold yeah. on the record, um, what are your kind of thoughts of the album, let's, let's talk about it by itself first, and then kind of how it fits into Sufjan's discography after that so so what are your general impressions of the album
2: sure so um three three things that you brought up uh were three things that I wanted to bring up specifically um which is interesting and 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 I was kind of I was kind of going the same way with the first you know the first three songs kind of set the tone for not only the rest of the album but kind of these years of Sufjan Stevens music too you know like like uh Illinois is very much in this same mold um as far as the way the songs are structured the way the albums are structured the sounds you hear and specifically um it, when when i think of like his his career has um you know morphed over the years in a variety of ways uh, that i'm sure we'll talk about but if you had to ask me what like the signature Sufjan Stevens song or sound would be mm-hmm. you know it's it's those horns first of all like anytime there's like trumpets and stuff on his music he he implements that so well you know way that I've never heard a folk singer doing you know like I hear right. that and I know it's a Sufjan Stevens song you know and and it brings this like richness and like depth of emotion to the song that that you know it, it'd really be something else without it you know um, and then the and then the vocal harmonies usually it's a f- female vocals alongside mm-hmm. his you know that's something he's done on on a few albums now um, he does it live in concert It really works well again the way that he implements that and then and then that that banjo with the with the the delicate voice that'll break your heart So, like these three songs, are you know you point to that and you say that's who he is. I, th-
0: I think if you played these three songs for somebody and they liked them, you would say okay, keep listening. Mm-hmm. If you played these three songs for somebody and they didn't like them, they're not going to find them. Out of my house. Well, yeah, that number one. But also, I don't know if they're going to find anything really in the majority of his discography that they're going to like.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. It's
0: interesting that when I first became aware of of his music, it was it was the sort of overall overarching big ideas of the music that interested me. The idea of the fifty states project was intriguing to me. The um, you know, the idea of fifteen songs being based around his home state, you know, all these things were, were very were very fascinating. Jumping on places for me where I felt okay, that's I'm interested to hear that. I want to hear what this guy has to say about this. But what I was not expecting was how he was using these big ideas to tell incredibly personal stories, and I feel like that's what really sold me. Yeah. Um, like the Upper Peninsula is the fifth track on the album, and it's maybe in my top two or three songs of his entire uh career because it just tells this story that you know you listen to the song and you have you know exactly who the narrator is it it jumps out at you it's clear it's concise he's not hiding behind any flowery language he's just telling you a straight up story i think this is maybe his most folk album in that way i feel like when i think about folk songs i think about story songs a lot of times And I feel like this is his most story-centric album. Both stories about other people and stories about himself. His music,
2: oh, totally, totally, and I love, I love the the, the confluence of ideas that lead to that. Like kind of how you were talking about the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's incredible to think that you know these these albums seem to be about one thing, or or you know they're they have some overarching theme, but then he he uses that as like the prism to which he looks through. You know aspects of his own life or experiences. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, we should probably talk about Romulus as long as we're talking about this. Well, yeah, is, that, that I, was. I think you said that was your. Favorite that is my song favorite. It's your... my
0: favorite Stephen oh, Stephen song.
2: Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, and and it's as says it's it says uh, noble a choice as any my friend, because <laughs> um, <laughs> that that's so. We would we we might not, I mean I guess I didn't know. Uh, what people knew about him back in 2003 or, you know, when Illinois came out or anything. But now that Carrie and Lowell has come out, which was his uh, most recent album from last year, um, you know, we know more of the story about him and his uh, tumultuous, uh, tumultuous childhood with his, uh, his mom having left. Uh, at a young age And now, you know, going back to this you, you, you hear this And after hearing Carrie and Lowell And you're like, my God, there it is You know, and maybe I didn't know that back then But now it's obvious
4: Once when mother called She had a voice of last year's call We passed around the phone Sharing a word about Oregon. When my turn came, I was ashamed. When my turn came, I was ashamed.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure when I first heard Romulus if that was a true if that was a story about him, or if it was a story about. You know, just somebody, you know, if it was a a, a story about a fictional narr- uh, narrator, or even about a friend of his, or somebody he knew, you know, I didn't know. When you know it's about his actual life, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. You know, it's built around this, this phrase of, I was ashamed, oh. and the things he's ashamed of in the song are things that no kid should be ashamed of.
2: Yeah, but yeah, but but if you're a kid in that situation, you... you totally honest, Absolutely. You know? Oh, no,
0: no. I, I, I empathize a lot of what he says in the song, but it's, you know, you don't want your... You know, I, I, I fucking hate this phrase. Whenever I say this, I, I try and metaphorically punch <laughs> myself in the nuts, but, like, as a father, you know, uh, when I hear about kids just feeling so sad... Like, so, for instance, we were at a barbecue last weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and there were some kids there who were the kids of our friends, and... The one kid is a little bit too young for my daughter to play with, and there's a kid a month younger than her who's like perfectly in her age, and then a kid who's a year older than her that my daughter really looks up to. And those two kids were, like, pairing off and were excluding her. And just watching her being excluded was breaking my heart. And They weren't trying to. It was just, you know, kids do this. So it was fine. And, like, seeing her upset just broke my heart. And then you listen to a song like this about, you know, a, a little kid being ashamed of his mother yeah. And it's like, oh my God, that just makes me want to break down and cry, just thinking about it. And um you know, you he gives these illustrations and by the end of the song you're ashamed for him. Yeah. It's just it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and and gut wrenching and you know, when, when he I've seen him do this song live a couple of times and the emotion appears to be tangible when he's singing it. Ugh. Um, you know I can't just, imagine. You know, it's just it's really,
2: oh, and, the, <laughs> and the, the 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 layers to that too because the you know he changes the lyrics subtly each time. Right. He says I I was ashamed, so he's he's talking about himself. You know, just just feeling ashamed, and then I was ashamed of her. Right, and then at one point he says I am ashamed. Right. And it's like, I mean, now that's going beyond just his feelings about his mother and it's going to like, I I think of it as, you know, here's this kid and he's thinking about it holistically, like his life, you right, know, like, yeah. like he is in a state of being ashamed. He's not just ashamed of her. He's feeling that way. And he's, you know, it's something he can't shake. And yeah, that's heavy, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, first of all, I am looking at my wall, my my little basement office right now. There's a banjo on the wall. And the reason there's a banjo on the wall is this album. Uh I had no interest in playing the banjo until I heard Fan Stevens and uh not that I play the banjo every day or anything like that, but I I can I can play a little bit on it and uh it was it was sort of the beginning of my maybe softening to the idea of a banjo being an instrument I could really enjoy. Because it's just, you know, especially I think, you know, you got to realize I heard this album first the first time in February of 2004. And so at that point, there wasn't the sort of, there were very few artists that could play a banjo that I would have been interested in. Like I think the only records that I had that were newish records that had a banjo would have been Ryan Adams' Heartbreaker. <laughs> and maybe one or two other albums. But it's, just, it's not an instrument that was that was being used all that often in the music hold I was listening to. Up,
4: hold me down Leave me in the withering pines Steal my love, steal my kisses Take them to the bartering lines Ten cents up, two buffs down Ship it out and turn it in the few. Shy, leave it on the table till somebody else's money's got you. Shadow of a shadowymaze hold me up, hold my hand the treasures that she misses makes the man ten cents up. two bucks down ship it out and turn it in a few three books shy, leave it on the table to somebody
1: else and
0: now of course you. I feel like the banjo is sort of shorthand for a certain type of indie rock <laughs> does that make sense
2: yeah uh, Sumford
0: and muns <laughs> Sumford and muns comes to mind yeah um <laughs> uh, and it, it, you know it, it's amazing how short the span of it being cool to have a banjo was <laughs> think like of solid 5 years and then it's come and gone yeah um but Was this was his music for you similar in your banjo awakening?
2: Uh, Well, I don't know about specifically the banjo, but (laughs) um, but just the way that uh, you know, when I go back to think about like the way that my taste in music has evolved, you know, um, I always pick Arcade Fire's "Funeral" as like the the point that that happened. Strokes, but I was I wasn't like all the way there yet, you know. But that that marked a change, you know. See, this
0: is the album for me,
2: and this is the album for you, yeah. And I and I would say Illinois. Okay, I I was probably I was probably getting you know well into indie rock by the time I heard Illinois, or, or you know, submerging myself in that. But that was definitely more delicate and emotional uh as an album than probably anything i'd ever listened to. And okay. so even though it didn't mark like a difference in in the music i was listening to necessarily at that point, it did there was a a, a sensitivity awakening <laughs> i think at that point. Yeah. I mean
0: I, I was in an indie rock band at this point so it's not like it was a change in what i was listening to. To me this was the album that i heard that i think maybe forever pushed me away from some of the more macho leaning <laughs> rock and roll yeah like i i still like a lot of stuff that maybe would be considered you know testosterone driven or whatever i have whatever bullshit term i don't even know what i'm talking about <laughs> but it just i guess it to me it represented just a a more complex emotional palette than i was used to
2: yeah yeah, um, and yeah. and when I think of like who I am as a person, like emotionally or like, um, you know, sensitivity wise, like mm-hmm. I, I think I definitely discovered like I'm more of a Sufjan Stevens than anything else, you know, <laughs> and like, like not that I'm like, not that I have like one hundredth of his talent, you know, I'm just saying like on the emotional spectrum, like that dude knows how to be sensitive and he knows how to work through his feelings in a, yes. in a, in a delicate way, you know? Yeah. And that spoke to me as somebody who's like realized at this time that I was not macho and I wasn't going to bury all this stuff down or, you know, punch a punching bag to get off, you know? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, like totally, like I totally align with his sensibilities. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, the other the thing, I, and this is what I really want to talk about with you, Oof. because you and I we're, we're very alike in a number of ways. Would you Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but one one noted area of difference with us is that you um, you consider yourself an atheist, is that correct? Yes. And I consider myself a believer. And. <sighs> when i first heard this album it was i was finishing up a degree in theology so there was a a certain uh awareness every day of my of my faith and kind of what that meant to me and you know i would say that my faith is probably harder to define today than at any point in my life i think i've i have a different understanding of of what i kind of see god as and what i kind of see belief as but at the time this came out and, and even now still a lot of the spiritual elements of it do kind of appeal to me. Now this album is less overtly faith-based than Seven Swans. Mm, the awesome. album that, that that comes next, but as somebody who doesn't particularly ascribe to a belief system based around belief, does that does that element of the music turn you off? Can you can you turn that part of it off without without care? you know I'm, I'm interested to sort of see how how that part of of Sufjan's music appeals or doesn't appeal to you.
2: Yeah, no, no, it doesn't turn me off at all. Uh, absolutely not. I um, I mean, I am like a hardcore, like lefty atheist, you know, but like the the, the thing about it is, um, is that like, because I'm that way, you know, like obviously I'm not going to go and listen to like something like Christian rock, you know, right. where it's, it's all about, Preaching to the choir, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I appreciate, I really do, like the the depths of different experiences that people have. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about someone like Sufjan, who makes it a huge part of who he is and and his music, um, th- this is not. It's not music that preaches to you, and and it's also it it informs who he is, you know, it's not soul. It, it's, it's amazing how, like how often somebody's faith or somebody's beliefs or religion or whatever can come across as incredibly soulless.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You
2: know? Yeah. But you, you listen to Sufyan and you, it's in his soul, you know, like, like right. I, I believe in that for him, you know, like, like I don't have to believe it to sit here and appreciate it, you know, mm-hmm. like he clearly feels very strongly and, and, he's very creative about it and um and i can't i can't argue with that you know and i don't i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want him to change a thing about the way that he does what he does you know yeah It's silly or scoff at it either. I mean, I'm not that kind of like. I totally respect that you're, you believe in God. You know, like mm-hmm. that's totally. You know, you're not you're not hounding me after the podcast to repent and <laughs> change my ways. You know, at least as far as our listeners know.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, stop revealing being, our trade secrets here. I'm
2: <laughs> being told to say this right now. <laughs> you're reading off a cue card. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, no, and I just, i think it's—I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascin—I think belief is fascinating. You know, um, I mean, it, it,
0: to a degree, that's why I decided to study it in college, because, yeah, because I felt it was fascinating, and I felt that, and that's kind of you know that kind of ties into why I think this album is so fascinating, is because, because you know, this album to a certain degree has to represent the roots. Of Sufyan, right? Because he's writing about the place he's from. And I think if you asked either one of us to write, you know, both of us tend to be more prose writers than anything else. So if you asked us to write or to tell a story about the place that we're from, the, our hometown, <laughs> like some of uh, there'd be some things in there that would still be true and resonate now, but there'd be things that weren't a, that aren't a part of our lives anymore. That would probably oh, yeah. come up in those in those stories, and so uh, when I first heard this, I wasn't sure if that faith was a remnant of his childhood that he was singing about. But once you get to Seven Swans, which is actually, I think I, I go back and forth between which of these two albums is my favorite. Seven Swans or Michigan? But those are those are my, my top two for me, and I feel like Seven Swans is a much more overtly faith based work. But again, it, like you said, it's not preaching to the choir. It's not telling somebody why they should feel this way. It's explaining why he does feel this way.
4: Mm -hmm. He will take you.
3: Yeah, and
2: he's he's also honest about the conflict that exists. You know, like, um, uh, when I'm I'm thinking about Illinois right now mm-hmm. and uh, Casimir Pulaski Day,
0: uh, an amazing song.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in that song, you know, he talks about you know praying for somebody who's dying
0: mm-hmm.
2: and how it's not doing anything. You know, right? Yeah and i don't need i don't i also don't want to make it sound like i need that doubt to like enjoy no i understand to <laughs> enjoy religiously but but it makes he, him more real it makes him more real it, he's honest about it yeah. it's, it's honesty you know yeah yeah it's that's what i mean when i when i say it comes from his soul you know this is clearly something that like it's a part of him he's not using it as you know the the best the best music and the best artistry comes from something that somebody can't get away from you know right right. it it comes from within them you know yeah and and that's what makes this so good
4: tuesday night at the bible study we lift our hands and pray over your body but In the living room When you kissed my neck And I almost touched your blouse In the morning At the top of the stairs When your father found out What we did that night
0: I do want to pull back and talk about Illinois for a second. Sure. Um, you know, we're we're most likely not going to talk about another Sufjan album until he releases his next album, <laughs> and who knows? Yeah, exactly. Who knows what that's going to be? So I think it's okay to kind of take the long view on Sufjan's career here. But um, so I was so excited for Illinois. I had seen him performed Chicago a few times by the time this came out the song he'd been playing it before the album came out and then I saw him once on the Illinois tour but before the album I had pre-ordered the album on his website so I got it before it was available in stores he sent it out a few days early so I have one of the cds with superman on the cover which is uh-huh. now out of print and hard to find and he was sued over it and all that yeah um, now
2: it's blue marvel
0: exactly yeah
2: which I have a couple
0: copies up um but the uh at the time i thought illinois was um, uh, incredible and i still think it's a very good album but to me it sounds a little bit overstuffed Mm. now and i think that especially when you consider he released a whole other album of outtakes yeah uh, yeah yeah it's kind of hard to look at that point of his career and not see it as being a little bit much for me you know um I kind of marvel at how much it is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but to me, I I prefer Michigan, which is just, sl- to me, slightly less overblown than Illinois is. And I wonder if that's something that I'm kind of alone in feeling, or if you kind of agree.
2: Um, I... <sighs> Illinois is always gonna be my favorite. And I waffle between we should between whether we should call it Illinois or Illinois.
0: I agree <laughs> the same, I agree. In my iTunes It says Illinois. It says Illinois. But for Michigan it says greetings from Michigan, the Great Lake State. Right. So I feel like I need to make uh shit are get off the pot here and change that to Michigan or change this to come on feel the Illinois.
2: Right, right, exactly. Or Sufjan Stevens invites you to invites you to come out <laughs> the Illinois, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, um, so so it was my it was my first Sufjan, and um, it's so similar to Michigan that I think it just it'll never be unseated for me, you know? And there's probably some, some first timers bias there, you know. Yeah. But I'll go here's where I'll go with you. I I do think it's over long. And I think it get it gets to a point where like I always say The Man of Metropolis Steals Our Hearts, which is track 12, I think. Uh Like, that's where everything up front is so front loaded, and every song up to that point is so good. I mean, aside from the ones that are like six seconds long or, you know, 40 seconds. Wait, you're saying you
0: don't love One Last Woohoo for the Pullman?
2: I love the title.
0: (laughs) Um, Or a short reprise for Mary Todd, who went insane but for very good reasons?
2: Yeah, (laughs) I love the title. (laughs) but anyway like like all the songs up to that point are really are really great and memorable and then after that like you know the album does get a little overstuffed at that point you know but i think it happens at that point if you asked me to stack up the first 12 songs of illinois against michigan i'd pick illinois 100 times out of 100 just the that's the way i feel you know Is, is less is weaker than the front half okay, you know yeah. and there's like 20 damn songs on 22.
0: this 22 22 there yeah. we go uh, but again one of them is 6 seconds long so you know <sighs> um so like, to me there's a very big like to me illinois feels unattainable in a way as like, somebody who makes music a little bit i would never consider myself even an eighth of a, of a professional musician, but as somebody who dabbles in music, I can't imagine the brain space it would take to make Illinois. And I marvel at it for that reason. And like the title track, to, I always said when that when the kind of, you know how the title track has sort of two distinct sections in it? When it moves to that second one that begins I Cried Myself to Sleep Last Night, to me that might be the finest moment in his entire discography. That like shift between the first and, in second section. John Wayne oh, Gacy Jr. is my favorite, my second favorite Sufjan song behind uh Romulus. Uh-huh. I love that song. Uh there's a lot of really great stuff on Illinois. I, um but I just feel like Michigan to me feels like a more organic listen.
2: I will agree with that. That's, and and when I Michigan tend to Michigan was made it probably wasn't a 50 states project right yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and i feel like to me the more organic choice is usually the one i'm gonna make musically Mm -hmm. um but i i do want to say this before we we sort of begin to wrap up here um i was under the impression up until we talked about this last week that romulus was the the man of metropolis track on michigan Ah. Where after Romulus, everything kind of starts to to feel superfluous, okay, and while i'll still think I'll still call that the peak of the album. uh-huh. I was shocked at listening at how much I really enjoyed the songs after that. and like when you look at the titles, sometimes you think like I have no idea how the fuck those all they sorry, they also mourn who do not wear black. <laughs> Sounds like I don't remember that, but once you start playing, like, oh, I know this song, I like this song, and yeah. I feel like this the back half of the album is stronger than I remember it being. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so that's a point in Michigan's favor, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I,
2: Vito's ordination song is one of my favorites.
0: Yes, I was gonna say actually to me, Redford, which is the piece I before that, which is this beautiful little sad piano piece that leads into Vito's ordination song, is the, those two are such an incredible way to end the album.
3: Sleep in my bed, there's a design.
4: To what I did and said, rest in my arms. Sleep in my bed, there's a design. To what I did and said, rest in my arms. Sleep in my bed. There's a
3: design. And I the in my heart. Sleep in
0: my bed. A um, well, what we're saying really here, folks, is you can't go wrong with Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> um you know, the Age of Odds came out a, a couple years ago, and that is is most electron oh, actually no sorry year of the rabbit is his most electronic record. There's no <laughs> yeah, vocals but, on yeah. it. It's 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 good for what it is. I never put it on. Uh, a sun came, which was his debut album, which I bought like used for like forty bucks because it was out of print, and then was reissued like the week later. <laughs> uh, that album's okay. There's some good songs in that album, but. You, that really sounds embryonic to me it sounds like the he's start kind of figuring out what he's doing but i'd say if you start with michigan and you go michigan seven swans illinois i would skip over the bqe his instrumental record about the brooklyn queens expressway in new york which is again like, has some lovely moments but to me it's not essential yeah. Uh, he also has an EP uh, with the All Good People EP, I believe it's called. All Delighted. All Delighted People. People, which precedes Age of Odds. Again, it's nice, not necessary. If you just take Michigan, Seven Swans, Illinois, Age of Odds, and then Carrion Lowell, and you put those five records up against almost any other contemporary artist, I don't know if many top him.
2: Yeah, it's insane.
0: (laughs) And each one is very different. I would actually say that Carrie and Lowell sounds more like a follow-up to Seven Swans than anything else. Yep. Yeah. But you kind of hear what he learned through Age of Odds. Yes. And, you know, you hear a little bit of the subtle electronics. and,
2: uh, And, And when he plays that live, he tries to blow you out of the theater twice with, like strobe lights and uh, droning electronics. So, mm-hmm. like, make no mistake, if you see that live, there's there's a little bit of the spirit of the Age of Odds in there.
0: Yeah. He also has released two Christmas box sets, <laughs> both of which he I own. He loves Christmas. He loves Christmas. And uh, every year I make a Christmas mix to play around the house, and I always include a couple songs from those box sets uh, in them.
2: Christmas Unicorn is one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas songs, bar none. Okay. okay.
3: I prefer
0: the earlier Christmas box set, okay, uh, which I believe is just called "Songs for Christmas" uh-huh. versus "Silver and Gold," which is the more electronically tinged one. Yeah, but they're both they're both quite good. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Do you have anything else to say about Michigan? Uh no, I think we did good. <laughs> yeah, um, you know it's funny we we picked this because Vince picked um, "Boys and Girls in America," which is an album that means a lot to him. From a very particular time in his life, and this record, I can't hear bits of it. So this is this is kind of embarrassing to say because she's an earshot of me. So humble, eh? but she's not listening. But so my senior year of college, my wife was living in my wife. You didn't do it, so I had to do it. Um, (laughs) My wife was living in California, and she came to visit me uh, for a week end or so in February, right around Valentine's Day, and. She had left for the airport and I rode with her on the bus to the airport and I was really really sad because she left and she had to go back to California and I got back to my house and this was waiting for me ah and so in a lot of ways this has always sounded to me like a a bomb on my weary heart as 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 cliche and fucking terrible as that sounds like it just it very much put into perspective a lot of what I was feeling. And I remember my roommate at the time, who's still a very good friend of mine, his name is Dave. Dave is likes music and plays a little guitar, but isn't, isn't a music guy the way that you or I are music guys. And I was playing this album a couple days later, and he's like, what is this? This is really good. And then that kept happening. People would be at the house, and I'd be playing it, and they'd say, what is this? This is really good. And people who both were as equally as as obsessed with music as I am, and people who are only casual music fans, everybody I played it for loved it. And it really represents, for me, a moment of an artist feeling like they were mine before they were everybody else's. Mm -hmm. You know that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. and I feel like it hit me at the exact right... Like, literally, it arrived the day I needed it to arrive. Yeah. So, you know, this album means a whole lot to me for that reason, too.
2: It's awesome, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. So, um, we're going to do a different kind of show next time. We are in June. It'll probably come out in July, just because of the way this is going. But we're each going to pick five records from the year so far that we feel... Have gone overlooked, um, you know, maybe that haven't gotten a ton of press or we haven't seen anybody talking about it on Twitter, however we're going to define it. But we're going to play a couple of songs from things that we, that we really, from records that we really liked that maybe you haven't heard yet. Um, have you started thinking about what albums you're going to feature? I have. I
2: know, I know there's, I think I've got like two or three for sure that I can talk about. And I'm going to go, I'm going to try to go pretty deep for the other two yeah I, I
0: i have been keeping track of my i think i have like 10 to choose from so i'll pull i'll pull a couple tracks from there but until then people want to keep up with us on social media where might they find us on twitter vince where are you i'm at
2: vj underscore ost and i'm in the motherfucking chair zone
0: you are big time in the motherfucking chair zone <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am at Brian needs a nap, and I am in the throes of Mets injury depression.
2: Oh, that's all right. I, as a Packer fan, I know that feel. Yeah,
0: it, it, injuries are the worst, man. It
2: feels like such a waste.
0: It does. It absolutely does. Ugh. So, um, you know, for for Simpsons tweets and otherwise, follow us, and we'll be back next time with more input output. Good night, everybody.